and to have the conversation about what a teaching space is is a requires a requires a level of maturity to um, have that conversation because it's a conversation that uh, we we may have made assumptions about or we may have expectations about or we may have that may be controversial and um, but I'd still like to go there because I I've noticed a few things that um, make it possible to have this conversation and um, so I'd like to take advantage of that one of the things well I mean just even tonight there's been a couple of a couple of things already that have indicated that we're ready to have that conversation and also on Sunday um, when I came down late for the teaching meeting I came into a space that was already um, called in the name of our school it was already set up with a puja table and a picture and a candle and I think even flowers and the um, tonight you know again we have we're here there's a, a puja lit there's um, another candle lit up here that Brenda just could you know she wasn't probably even looking around the room her body just sensed that there was something um, incomplete and made her look to see if it was it was lit or not and then she found out that the candle wasn't lit and that in the way that we set up the space to have this talk in the physical domain that it was necessary to light that candle so she didn't ask she didn't hesitate she got up and lit the candle and now the candle's lit and it sort of completes the space there's also Another example of that, um, just a minute before that, what was it? Well, like anyway, Andrea's sitting over there, and if the phone rings, she's going to jump up and answer the phone. It's sort of like we have, we have some things worked out where um, it's, it would be valuable to start to consider, okay, what is a teaching space and how do we um, work together in a teaching space so that teaching space really happens and really serves the school and really um, makes makes a difference there's a um, so a couple of distinctions that we could start with is that it, a teaching space is called into existence in the name of our school and it's called into existence when two or more people are gathered in the name of our school and in a teaching space and what, what that means is that um, you know what I said to begin this talk is I said this is an after-dinner talk so in our school it's a formal uh, declaration that this is one of the two teaching spaces that we're that we call into, into order in that name. And so um, it's, it is possible that two or more people are gathered who are members of the Sangha, but it's, they're not gathered in the name of, of the teaching space or the school. And so what gets invoked is um, other things that aren't, aren't that. And so some of the distinctions we can make about what is a teaching space and what is not a teaching space has to do with the teaching spaces 
a space in, in which we're working together as a group to um, be a listening for the teaching. And the teaching isn't necessarily uh, a linear thing, nor is it a, a rote thing. Like, we have this word that we call dharma, and we have the idea that dharma is, uh, or can be, um, coded into books. And, and like, so a number of times we'll, in the teaching space, we'll actually read from the poetry book, or we'll read from other books that Lee's written, or articles from magazines, or um, the Bordello News, or other books, we'll actually read from those. And, and But what I'm offering us to consider is the idea that the Dharma that um, can be experienced in a teaching meeting, or a teaching space, is not a not a rote linear dead thing that can be um, coded into books, but it's actually a living thing. So it's, we might be using words to uh, um, to actually communicate with each other, but the the, the Dharma itself is a, a more of a living, um, energetic. Uh, Lee's called it food, or um, there's some other there's some other words for what the Dharma is besides just um, what's written down in books. What can somebody help me with this? You know, what else is the Dharma? It's like an energetic food or um, substance. Mm-hmm. A substance, yeah, for building matrix. Mm -hmm. Like it's the it's an material for building matrix out of. Subtle. Um, he talks also about um, subtle, subtle communication. Okay. So between the Sangha members and especially. Okay. Yeah. I think. And on the on the humorous side, in terms of Lee giving the teaching, he's called it a song and dance. Okay. That that, that he does to just distract us while he makes the real teaching available. <laughs> so that's. That's exactly transmission. Hmm? transmission. Yeah, the transmission. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for. So, a, a teaching space is a space in which is a sanctuary for the transmission of we could call it the Dharma, but it's the it's that which comes through when we're distracted enough by the song and dance so that so that the real teaching can come through. So, it, the invitation for us when Lee's not here, physically, is for us to learn as a group, to be able to work together as a group, to create the opportunity or the space where that kind of food can come into the Sangha, which means in our bodies, because we're just members of the Sangha. And when that kind of food comes into our bodies, it goes into the whole Sangha. And an example of that would be some, I'm sure you all have examples, but there was an example recently where Lee had something and he fed, it was actually a physical food, and he fed it to one or two people in the Sangha, and then he wanted to make sure that they ate it. It was actually physical. Does somebody remember the story? What, is that what, did, what did you say? That story, what was he feeding them? Feeding you. Yeah. Well, 
was another guru there, Nana Guru, and he make a, a very humble, you know, he pronounced this guru, the guru is really well known in Thiruvannamala, and this guru did prasad to me, and this uh, uh, these Sudama sisters, and, and they pronounced it to him, and when he, when he grew it, you know, first up, and this Nana Guru touched, you know, the communication was, you know, that moment was divine. Then after that, he left, and, and the Nana Guru, and he peeled very quick, immediately he, he left the, the um, tendering, I think so. And then he gave a little pieces to two people, one and two men, and I was one of those men, so for a moment I feel, I felt special, you know? And then that moment I felt special, he says, and this goes through the Sangha a different way. Something like that. Exactly. So it's a perfect example of Lee's um, intention is to feeding the whole Sangha mm -hmm. through any individual. So if any individual in the Sangha gets fed, then the whole Sangha receives that. Yeah, it relates to his, his insistence that we never miss anything. Mm -hmm. We never miss an event, we never miss a teaching, we never miss and, and we, and individuals through the Sangha and throughout the world are being um, moved, if they're following instructions from Lee, they're being moved to be in certain educational or experiential circumstances, almost like a pseudopod from an amoeba. Do you know that, can you say that out Deutsch? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, can you? Um, uh, uh, An amoeba is a one-celled animal. Amoeba. A pseudopod is a false foot. That's what it means in Latin, and it's an extension of it's a of the amoeba. That one part of it goes out in a certain direction towards a food, and it engulfs the food, and then that leg suck, gets sucked back into the organism with the food and it brings the food into the body of the organism. So we, if we are following these instructions, we are individuals in, a, in different parts of the community, are sent out to different experiences or different educational things. Things happen, circumstances. And we have that ourselves, but it's not for us. It's for the school. And, if you, and if, uh, it helps to know that. It helps to know that you're being used by the school and are serving the school when you're sent out and you have this experience and you bring it back in. That it's actually not for you, it's for the school. Would you say that it's also for the work? Uh, I wouldn't, because mm -hmm. I don't use that word very much. Mm -hmm. But I would say it's for the school. Mm -hmm. I would say the school serves the work, but but I'm not going to pretend like I know what that means very much at this point. Even though when we are in the service of the school, I know that we are serving the work. I don't use that word very much, personally. There's the, there's the thing about um, serving something that serves the work. So we're not necessarily directly serving the work, but we can serve something that serves the work. And that's kind of probably up the master's discrimination about what we really do. I don't think we can tell that ourselves. So the consideration tonight is how can we as this part of the Sangha here in France learn to 
hold the space or create uh, a teaching space so that um, the kind of what gets invoked do, do you know that word of which invoked an invocation invocation mm -hmm. called herbeirufen hmm? yeah that works could you say it again here a sense of called. Mm -hmm. is a Attracted. Yeah. Yeah. So that what's being called into this, the teaching space is food for the school. It isn't about us, and it isn't. It's just. It's about serving the school, and we have the opportunity to do that. You know, when Lee's here, we have an opportunity to participate in that, and we get fed from it. But when Lee's physically in in Arizona or on his one of his um, you know trips into Europe during the summertime and he's not physically here then we have the opportunity to learn to do that ourselves and it's actually more than an opportunity in my experience it's a responsibility and we've been here in France for over six years and we've been uh, we've had that opportunity ever since day one that we've been here and we have at times had this conversation before in one form or another, but um, and we've been more or less successful along the way in terms of actually incorporating the the um, teaching about what it is to serve the teaching, or like the teaching about how to serve the school through a teaching space, or the teaching about teaching spaces. We have. We have been more or less successful in, in terms of being able to receive that communication as a group and hold it as a group and learn to use it as a group. And um, I'm having I'm having the um, the invitation here for us to continue to make steps in that direction to upscale our ability to be that um, because I. Uh, like that's because that's the purpose of the you know one of the purposes of this sanctuary here in France you know theoretically we could successfully do our job if we simply stayed alive paid the rent and kind of mowed the grass until Lee got back here each summer like if we didn't you know if we didn't leave any dead bodies we didn't get arrested and if the place didn't burn down you know if we would successfully do enough for Lee to um, keep this ashram here. But we have an opportunity, uh, uh, and even like I said, a responsibility for something like more um, sophisticated than that. And it's taken years for us to even consider that, to have the, the possibility of considering that in a conversation like this, which is actually a conversation about our conversation. It's a conversation about our ability to hold a, a teaching space and run a teaching space as a group so that it serves a function that isn't just um, quelling. Um, what is quelling? Quelling is like, well, quelling personal fires is what I was going to say. So quelling means to like putting, a, putting water on, dousing. Like sometimes, sometimes we need to do that. And that's not necessarily the function of this group. It isn't just to... So um, it isn't just to try to make it peaceful here, just so we like each other, or so that um, 
um, so that we can get along together. That's sort of a minimum. It's like a minimum requirement. What, what? It's sort of like what we have to pay to get into this chamber. What we, the price we have to pay to get in here is just being able to sit together in a room and have our attention here in the room on this and not be in um, conflict. You know, it's like basically we have to have a relationship with our monkey so that the monkey isn't um, running around, you know, destroying things. So, um, do, do people know what I mean by that? About the monkey? I mean, I have a couple questions, and they could be monkey questions, though. Well, go ahead. It's kind of a risk when they ask them. Go ahead. First of all, I'm wondering just um, if you think that that's not happening, if you think that teaching spaces aren't being created successfully or the transmission isn't coming through in a certain way. That's one of my questions. I can answer that. The answer is no, I don't think that. Okay. No, this is an invitation for it to, um, to just you know, have a conversation about how we make that happen better. How we can serve okay, that. because those aren't the kind of conversations I hear people having. I rarely hear somebody say, gee, how could we um, invoke Lee's presence stronger? How could we engage the drama? I, I rarely hear anybody have those kinds of conversations. So I'm just kind of questioning you about what those conversations are. And the other thing, my other question is, um, and it's probably a languaging thing, is that my experience over the years that I've given talks from before I came here, not very successful talks, but, and the years here and having that is like a big, big part of my job and now doing um, seminars is that when it seems to be what I would use the word success would be when I was able to get out of the way. So the actual teaching space that landed wasn't about me. It was just me being able to be a vehicle or even be nothing, but to be um, that empty space that Lee can come through with maybe you know a little bit of um, cosmetic on the outside. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so to, in terms of going back to your first question, it's probably true that we don't have much of a conversation like, like we're invited to have tonight. Okay. So that doesn't mean your first question was like, is the teaching happening in teaching spaces? And we all know that to, to one degree or another it does. What I'm saying is there's a possibility of, there's a possibility of doing what's called building an angel that as a group. When we have the opportunity, the invitation is open. Look, like it's wide open for us to do what's called building an angel. And that what that is, is to have a group function in such a way that, that the group itself is an organism that is, consists of everybody who's in the group. And each person plays a role in the group that is um, uh, required. It's necessary. It's like if you don't have one person, you don't have your left foot. If you don't have one person, you don't have your right eyeball, or something like that. It's like we really are part of the organism as a as a whole, and uh, the invitation is for us to work at that level. So the 
in my experience, the teaching kind of comes through because it's so available on, on, on a place like this, the sanctuary, like this, the ashram, that the, the presence of is so available and it is almost like as soon as you give it the slightest chance, like say, okay, we're having a teaching space, it's like, <laughs> like wants to squeeze in and come through. So it's not because, it's not because we've made the garden so much that actually it just blossoms and kind of erupts through here as a, or just floats down and it's sort of like it kind of squeezes through because, uh, through the cracks. So what I'm saying is we, we have a chance to individually start, start learning how, how to um, work as one member in a group to bring in the to create as a whole group a <coughs> garden where the um, the real stuff can come in without with less and less resistance with, with more and more uh, more and more like um, receptivity it's like in order for us to receive the teaching we have to have a necessity in ourselves and we have to have be able to listen to that level of teaching ourselves which is those are qualities, both of those qualities, the listening and the receptivity and the, that both of those things take years to build. So I'm not saying a one-time thing, like this is not a one-time thing. It's, this is a, an invitation to an ongoing consideration about um, being sourcing teaching spaces on this ashram and you know in the future in any other sanctuary where we're serving in a teaching space to um, even we're either giving you know being a space holder or whatever or the, the speaker or we're being a participant in the chamber like anything we learn here will is like an education of the school like the school is educating itself to learn how to be better and better at serving what Fulton was talking about the work and that's an evolutionary process so it's up to us to kind of consciously participate in being a member of the evolutionary process, being part of that. And we have an incredible chance to do that here in the teaching spaces in the ashram here in France. You have other questions? All right, and I just was to have a question about um, sourcing teaching space, because it seems like the person who the participants are equally as important in the creation of space as mm -hmm. the person who's sourcing it. <coughs> Kind of the source person is the driver. See, that's a high, that's a high order conversation because it looks so obvious that the person who is a space holder or the speaker is is sourcing the space. That's what it looks like. But the truth is that it's actually the other way around almost. That the participants in you know everybody else who's not in the hot seat are is their ability to listen to or call forth or have necessity, that's what really holds the space or determines the space. And it's easy to prove that, but... Um, well, it's like the, the teaching being kind of like if a person asks the right question, it's almost like the, the right buttons pushed for the teaching to come forth. And I remember that here, particularly with the question that Lily asked about hopelessness mm. in the whole feeling that came from all of us from that. When he asked Lee that question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not only 
Yeah, so, so like Louis may have opened the door. But a real question, a, a, quite a, a real question that was really uh, in a, um, that he was really searching for an answer about, not just fabricated, like not just a fabricated question, just the words, but like coming from the person's heart or their being, something like that. Yeah, so, the, so there's a, so some of the distinctions are about the quality of questions that we ask. Are they intellectual questions, or are they in curiosity questions, or are they mm, um, like conceptual questions, or are they are they real questions? Like, are they questions from from a, a gap in our matrix that is we're willing to speak from that gap rather than pretending like. The matrix is all together. Are we willing to actually go into the part of our matrix that is gapped and speak from there to call into that the food that's necessary that that, that part of the matrix is hungry for? Like those kinds of real questions may give the allow the teacher to be used by that which comes through the teacher, get used by the teaching, and it but it requires a, a kind of listening. So that's one distinction is the quality of the questions that we ask. And I think the, the quality of attention that we bring to the space. Quality of attention, could you say more about that? Yeah, um, that if a person is really here in this space and, and engaged, even if and it has nothing to do with speaking or not, but if their energy is engaged in the space, it contributes um, energetically to uh, the possibility of a chamber, the possibility of it. It has to do with receptivity, vulnerability, and um, presence, primarily, just off the top of my head. And it's been my experience in giving talks and also in, in the work that I do that if, um, if that quality of attention is there, something, something can move in the space, that there's, there's a space for something to come through. So, um, And on the other end, if that quality of attention is not there, the space is dead, and you can feel it. I mean, it's, there's a there's a lifelessness that's that to me I can I can literally feel with my. I mean, it's tangible to me. The flat. So that's that's what I'm talking about in terms of our own evolution as a group is to develop what you're talking about. Did you not make a comment? Or mm-hmm. It's kind of. It's, it's one of those issues. It's, it's about um, when we're having seminars here, and it's, it's less important now because we have so many more people coming, but um, like when we're giving a seminar and one of us is giving a talk, and available people from like our crew here, our, our residents, our core group of people here, um, it, oftentimes, those people, if, if they don't have, you know, I'm, I'm not saying somebody who's cooking or somebody who's taking somebody to train, but people who are here, 
decide that it's time for a nap or time for their shower or to do their laundry or they come into the space and are there but aren't participating are just kind of observing the speaker basically sitting in the back and observing the speaker and and energetically not participating in exercises or just like like Debbie said the presence and so on I find that is one way that we don't support that here as a group and you know I mean people need to do what they need to do also but I've noticed that 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 there's a way somebody's giving a talk and it's you know well if it's not me then I have something else to do or or just kind of I've noticed every once in a while just kind of a, a lack of regard and a lack of a like some of the other people, like some of the newer people who are just like feeding on the space and asking questions and engaging the speaker and sometimes Sangha people not. I don't know what other people's experience is, but I, I've had that experience and maybe it's just me. Like it's, um, it's it's noticeable. It's very noticeable, and, and even dissonant to the space. I think it's most noticeable when you're giving the talk. Too. That's what I mean. When yeah, you're the talk it's harder to see that from sitting there looking up. But yeah, I've yeah. noticed that. Yeah, it's and it's it's disheartening. Yeah, me a bit. When uh, when guests come, they really learn a lot more from who we're being and what we say. So the way way we're being in space is what they really imprint on. And so if we are not paying that kind of attention in the space, that's what they will imitate. And that's their training. So, and they, regardless of what's said, what they'll get in their bodies from what, how they see us being. So every move we make, the way we move from one room to another, the way we handle the dishes, the way we speak to each other, the way we you know, open and shut doors, the way we do every little move we make, every gesture is is imprinted into the visitors' bodies, and that's the way that they learn from us. Yeah. <coughs> also, just it's not just talks. Like I noticed that in the meditation seminar, particularly, I noticed. You know, and again, I, I don't want to put it out as a criticism, but but I noticed how few resident people were overall participating when they weren't on a cooking, I mean, the cooking was a big thing. Um, just the, the lack of resident participation without nudging, like, hey, we could use, you know, a few of us out there walking around the orchard, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, just, you have all these people, like, sitting for some hours, and they don't see us sitting, and, you know, granted, there's a lot of other elements, like, fatigue as <laughs> one of them, but um, I just I just thought that that since you brought up the topic that that I would put that out because um, and actually Ken wrote a letter about that that got read in the afternoon talk in America about teaching spaces and people sleeping and so another way to um, to learn about how to feed the space so the space feeds the school is the quality of, of the conversation that we create in the space so there's 
two, there's a distinction we can make about the quality of the conversation, and one of those is, um, are we having a discussion? Are we sharing our opinions? Are we having an, um, an argument? Are we disagreeing? Like the level of having a disagreement, that's the level where ego has a conversation that blocks, blocks the flow of the um, juice coming into a space. So that if we're having a, the, the other kind of a conversation that we have is not, it's, it's not a discussion. A teaching space is not a space in which discussions are had. And sometimes in the past we've opened up these spaces for discussions for different reasons. One of those reasons I suspect is simply that the group here is not capable of sustaining any other kind of, a, of an interaction. Was, was that, I think that that was it. With the, with the topic? Or? No, with the, with the space. Like this, if we, if we take the um, space into the domain of discussion, then we've, like, we're precluding or eliminating the chance for the space to be serving something other than um, us. And, like, we're not serving the school by having a discussion. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this topic. So, you said discussion, opinions, disagreement. I don't know if you said sharing somewhere in there. Yeah, sharing our opinions, arguing. Okay, share, arguing. So can you give, um, like those seem like they're on the negative end of it, like all those are not productive to the flow of the influence. So what kinds of speaking are more productive to that? Well, asking authentic questions, please because when you ask an authentic question, it opens um, a necessity for whatever's coming through the speaker to speak to that question. And the question is not a, a challenge, you know what I mean? Like that's a, it's not a challenge, it's not an argument, it's not a disagreement, it's not a different opinion, it's not like that. Because those, you can ask those kinds of questions, and then you're back in the domain of discussion. But what you're, what we're, what we're, the invitation, what kind of speaking we can have together is more like a group on an expedition into new territory. And the kind of thing that, the kinds of questions you would ask would be taking a hook on the end of a rope, which is your attention in question, and you throw it out into the unknown. So you ask, see, asking a question about which you already know is a discussion. It's not, and asking a question about what you really don't have, what you don't, who you are not. Asking a question about who you are not is an authentic kind of question. Asking a question about who you are puts you in a position of controlling, manipulating the conversation, and it takes it into that area. But if you put yourself into the position of asking a question about who you are not, then you're actually taking a rope and tossing it out into new territory. And if you hook onto something, the whole, the, the whole exploration party can go into new territory. For example, that question was kind of like that. That question about itself. what is it, what kind of mm -hmm. speaking invokes the influence? Right, so it wasn't an opinion kind of answer. Like, for example, I didn't know that, I didn't know what I, what I was just talking about. In fact, I don't even hardly remember what I just said. But, like, the space has an incredible amount of wisdom that's available to us if we can work as a group to cast, to, to throw out, to take the risk of asking about who we are not and then the whole group can go there. You know, I know you probably all had experiences, I have, 
we, like being in the talks with the lead, like he will take the group to exploring territory, and he will take it to the edge as far as he can go. And then, I, and then I would take a hook, like a question on one of those ropes, and I would throw it out, like right away, farther than, than where he was going to stop. And he was instantaneously provide like, like the new territory, and it brings it into the space, into anybody who can hold it, into the school, and you know, like that's how stuff gets like created. It's, like, that's where stuff in the uh, volume three and four of the study manual comes from. So him not going there is not that he doesn't have the ability; it's that that, that the question hasn't been asked. Right. The necessity hasn't been. Okay. So that our listening, our listening hasn't developed, isn't big enough to hold that. So when you said um, asking authentic questions, you said not 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 asking questions a challenge. Did you say that? Yeah. Not as a challenge. And I, and I wonder about that myself, having been in many many teaching meetings where um, there were challenges happening and, and there was a very lively discussion that produced something of great value. That on the surface it may have looked like arguing, or, but, but there's a, I think there's something that, that's possible in that when people willing to disagree, people willing to, to really look at something and, and take a risk in what they have to say. And I wonder where you think that fits in. It, it fits in, in the distinction between the two kinds of conversations, because if it was really a discussion then it would go nowhere and produce really nothing but ego food. But if it if it really is a um, if it really is a place where there's people are asking about what they don't know and people are putting themselves at risk, and if it's it can be really lively like that, yet and then and then something can happen. So it's the difference between those two things. And it, in some ways it might look the same, but the challenge instead of Maybe the challenge is based on an authentic question instead of the challenge to the authority or the... Here, here's another way to look at it. It might be a, a challenge. There's two kinds of challenges. One is a challenge that tries to keep things the same, and one is oh. a challenge to try to make things different, a challenge to learn something. Right, so are we arguing to, 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 to keep our understanding to where it right. is, or to arguing mm -hmm. to... <coughs> to actually explore something new. Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. That's yeah, if you have some, um, uh, you think you, you know 